Sean and Addie Quintero have loved each other since they were 15 years old. They always knew they'd be husband and wife, but they've had to overcome some obstacles, including depression, long-distance relationship, and family members with some reservations about their biracial marriage. All this and more as they share their story on the show today. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Well, hello there, Legendary Marriage family. This is Danielle and Justin. Hey. So whether you've been with us a long time, or maybe this is the first time, we're so glad you're here with us. Yeah, just a couple things to mention before we dive into today's show. Super excited about this episode too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, one, if you aren't already a part of our community on Facebook, we really want to encourage you to check it out. There's some great conversations, encouraging stories, and just some great first dib kinds of opportunities, particularly this month in September 2018. Mm. Speaking of which, if you leave a review on iTunes this month, September 2018, you could win a prize. Reviews are so important. They help the show rank better in searches, which means more couples can find us, which means they get to have uh, listen and have more conversations that matter. And we get to welcome them into the family. So to be a part of this mission, to help couples build legendary marriages, just leave a review on iTunes and then comment on the reviews thread in our Facebook group. We will draw one lucky winner each week in September for some amazing prizes. Ooh, fun. You can find the community over at legendarymarriage.com slash community. That'll take you right into the Facebook group. And lastly, we want you. If you're ready, we want you to help. You to... Uh, okay. I think what Danielle's talking about is we would love to have you come on the show and share your story <laughs> to inspire and challenge other couples. It's super easy. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of laughs doing this. Um, and it's so important. You know, we get to to learn as we, and experience our own stories as we hear other people share theirs. So if you want to be a part of that, please uh, head over to legendarymarriage.com slash guest, fill out the quick little form there, and we will be in touch. All right, that's it for announcements. This is episode 92. 93? 93. Sweet mercy, woman. Come on, take ha- out all my screw Have ups. you not had any coffee yet? Take out my screw up. No, we're being vulnerable. We're being authentic here. This is episode 93, and it's an honor to have newlyweds Sean and Addie Quintero on the show today. Are these our first newlyweds? Uh, I debate the newlywed thing here. Like, they've been <laughs> married for two years. How long, uh, how long is newlywed considered? That'd be a great question for the, oh, for the group this week. Oh, that is a great question. I don't know. I think two is still a newlywed. Yeah. Um, they act like they're newlyweds. But you know what's funny? When they share in the beginning, they share all about how they grew up in the church together. 
It made me think about what my faith was like as a teenager. So, honey, when you were a teenager... Well, were you going to share something there? Well, or were I was, you just going to try to put me on the spot? I was put you on the spot, and then I was going to say something. Oh. What was your faith like when you were a teenager? When I was a teenager, depends on what at what point. Um, when I was physically strong enough to blockade the door to my bedroom on Sunday mornings so that my parents couldn't drag me to church, oh, I whoa, I did that. Um. I think I've always had a, a personal kind of a of a of a faith, mm-hmm. but uh, like I just did not resonate in those years. I did not resonate, did not connect with uh, church as an experience. Interesting. Okay, so yes, I will also answer the same question. Okay, I was, I I was definitely I was Jesus's church girl. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I went to youth group. I went to bell choir. I went to choir practice. Let's not paint too too angelic a picture here, because there are some stories from those youth trips <laughs> that that I, I think would make people's toes curl. Well, that's a weird expression in this moment. That is a very weird expression. There's um, a whole new level of like authenticity today. I don't know. It's it's um it's our early recording time. Usually we don't record this early. We're a little too raw this early in the morning. Um I was going <laughs> to say I really love doing mission trips and all that stuff with I had a lot of friends at church and I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. That was my bag. Church was my bag yeah, when I was a I missed teenager. out on that stuff. Yes. All right. So we will get into all that with Sean and Addie today. They share some of their stories about how they fell in love in the youth group at church. Um, so let's just dive into our conversation with Sean and Addie Quintero. Whee! We are so happy to have Addie and Sean Quintero on the show today. Hi, guys. I would say they are newlyweds, married two years. But they've been together for 17, live in Colorado Springs, one of our favorite, favorite, favorite places on the face of the earth. And they are self-proclaimed movie snobs, but (laughs) silly movie snobs. They said they were pretty silly. What is movie snob? Like, what's your favorite movie? What are you guys, what are you guys digging right now? So I just recently watched Mamma Mia 2, oh. and I literally listened to the soundtrack every single day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. It, was, it was my favorite sequel of all time. Oh my gosh. So, we agree. So we yeah. totally agree. It was, um, I always love to hear Pierce Brosnan sing. It's just, it's just amazing. It's, like it just blows it like, out of the water. It's just so, his voice, his singing is just so like normal. normal. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> okay. He's like, I'm singing. I've, I don't really yeah. sing, but I'm singing. And here I am in this movie singing. <laughs> okay. So you said y'all have been married for two years, but you've been together for 17. That must mean that you were like sweethearts from a very, very young age. So tell us how that went down, guys. Yeah. So our story actually starts with me wanting to commit suicide. Uh, I wrote a suicide letter. I was in middle school. I was incredibly bullied and not just like teasing or calling names, but like pushed and beat up. And um, Mm -hmm. middle school for me was incredibly like 
depressing. <laughs> I was always depressed. I was incredibly hopeless. And uh, I have the scars on my wrist to prove how little of life I thought uh, like I was valued. And so I wrote this suicide letter, gave it to a friend who gave it to a teacher, who gave it to the counselor, who gave it to my parents, who gave it to the pastor at our church. And the pastor had essentially told me, um, we need to surround you with people who love you. We love you here and we're going to do everything we can to show you how valuable and how much God loves you. And so I'm going to get you volunteering. I'm going to get you in the drama team and on the band because I played keys at the time. Um, but I'm going to start you off as a greeter and I'm going to surround you with people who love you. So I started greeting in the youth ministry and uh, very first day, one of the staff members had introduced me to someone and it was Addie. And I, my, my 12 year old self thought she loves me. The pastor said he's going to surround me with people who love me. Oh. And so she loves me. <laughs> like it's just and you're like, what was your name again? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who are you? He was telling me like, you're not greeting right. Let me tell you how to <laughs> That was my first experience. I'm like, who is this kid? <laughs> yeah, was, uh, and so we had grown up in the youth ministry. I became really good friends with her brother and we would volunteer in the kind of the same ministries. And what's really unique about our relationship is I got to be a 12-year-old with her and a 15-year-old with her and an 18-year-old with her. And I got to see her develop and she got to be able to see me develop into the people we are today. And so um, I still know anxious, shy uh, Addie, and she still knows weird and silly Sean and crazy-haired Sean. Um, (laughs) Literally, at one point, I had like seven colors in my hair. (laughs) There's pictures to prove it. (laughs) That's that's how you want a greeter to show up, you know, with with a rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) And so going through like teenage dumb and really discovering who we were, we really... I really developed a passion for people. I really developed an ambition and a drive. Once I figured out who I was specifically in Christ, once I figured out what I was called to do, I went after it 110%. And so I decided, you know, I've been living, uh, there were two years in high school where I kind of gave up on God. And I was like, okay, God, there are things in my life that aren't changing. And clearly you don't care because you would have changed it if you did. So I'm kind of giving up on you. And I kind of lived my own life for two years, still doing the routine of going to church, volunteering, still friends with everyone, had the mask on on Sundays and Wednesdays. And then in school and at home, I was just a completely different person. And I really didn't know who I was. Uh, now, and- Addie, at this time, were y'all pretty close friends or was he just the random greeter guy? So I think... When around like 15 years old, that's when we really became like best friends. Um, We were just like mutual acquaintances up until that point. But at 15, like I would go to his house, we'd hang out with the same group of people. We'd go every Sunday, we'd eat at the same pizza place. Like that's how how close we were. So in high school, I gave up on God for two years and uh, at at a youth camp, there was this moment where God spoke to me and he said, are you done? Like, are you done fighting? Because I'm still here and I want to hug you. I just want you to be present with me. And so I was crying the whole weekend. I mean, I finally heard from God. And so I decided, okay, God, I'm going to give you two years of my life because I gave kind of my own self and, and the people I was around at that time, two years. So I'm going I'm to commit two years to you. So I decided to join an internship program at the church that we had attended, that we met at. And for the first year, you're not allowed to date. You're supposed to focus on God, focus on ministry. And about two weeks before I started, we told each other we liked each other. And so we had to And then you quit the program. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) 
we had I'm done. I meant two weeks, not two weeks. <laughs> Thank you. We had to wait an entire year before we started dating. And then after the first year, she decided to do her first year. And so she couldn't date, but I could date. Addie, so what are you thinking, girl? Seriously. I don't know. To start dating. <laughs> but what was amazing about that period was I... I until that point, I liked her, but I, I wasn't in love with her. I, I, it was like a kind of a mutual love or a yeah. like or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but during those two years, I really began to fall in love with her mission, her drive, her love for Christ, her love for people, what she wanted to do with her life, and how she wanted to impact the world. And so before I was physically like attracted to her, I was actually emotionally, mentally, spiritually attracted to her. Um, and so it really allowed us to develop a relationship that was super intimate but not super physical and so mm-hmm. after the first two years which I, i'm I remember, sure the church people were fond of yeah <laughs> they're like very fond yay <laughs> they're not gonna be having sex awesome <laughs> yeah so i remember very clearly a week before or two maybe two to a week before uh the her internship was over god told me ask her out on a date so I took her to the very door that we met where we first were greeting. And I said, I really like you. And I want to take you on a date the night you graduate. So the very night she finished her first year of internship where she could finally date right after the graduation ceremony, we went to on our first date where we went to, I think PF Chang's yeah. and then we like had a moment at like different places and it was really fun. And so that at that so was the romantic connection there or were did you spend too much time in the friend zone no we I was I was romantically like yeah and I think she was oh I'll share a little (laughs) bit about my internship experience so he had his first year and I kind of knew I wanted to do internship before he even told me so when he said I was like oh okay (laughs) so it's gonna be like a two-year wait and then I did my internship program and for me, it was really difficult because I had all these feelings, all these emotions. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? Like, okay. I was like, Lord, please take these feelings away so I can focus. I really prayed that because I knew I couldn't get through it without, you know, being able to fully focus. And then it was probably like five months into the program that I was just so into what I was doing. My heart was into the internship that I was like, I don't even know if I like feel that same way. And it was really strange. Like before he asked me out, like a couple weeks before the internship ended, I started feeling those feelings again. I'm like, Whoa, like what's happening? Why am I feeling this way again? Um, and it was kind of God's way of saying like, Hey, you gave, you submitted to me, you honored me, you're obedient, you know, you followed through and I'm going to bless you with this. And so it was kind of awkward because we were in a friend zone for a while. And then so getting back to like, I like you again. And then he <laughs> asked me out and I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> like I didn't know how to respond, but I was excited. So um, yeah. in that two year period, were there any other blips on the radar, so to speak, for either of you? Like other people? Other, other people you're interested in, other relationships that were happening, anything like that? No, not I don't think so. Me. Yeah, not for me either. No. I think I knew... I knew very early on I was going to marry her. Like when we started dating, the first date, I said, I can't wait to marry you. Like it's just going to happen. <laughs> I did the number and one thing. Over, Addie. <laughs> I was like, you're crazy. 
this is the first yeah. day. Let's let's get to know each other better. Yeah, first. I, I did the same thing. Okay, bro. you guys, we have to share this story. So when we were on our first date, we're like at this Italian restaurant. It's like all dimly lit and blah blah blah. I'm pretty sure there were mobsters. Yeah, in the there corner. were gangsters on the other side of the room. Um, but Justin did the same thing. First date, he says, and we'd been friends for a long I said, time. You know, you know what? Someday I'm gonna marry you. And I, I was like. Check That's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> this is our go big or go home right this now. This is our first date. I mean, we had been talking nonstop. It was like one of those things where it's your best friend. Like you felt like you've known him your whole life. And, you know, it's just very natural. But that like, I'm going to marry you thing was like, whoa, yeah. I am like 18. What are we talking about here? Yeah. Like, I, was, I didn't say tomorrow. Was, <laughs> but I, that's what it feels Sunday. like. You're like, whoa, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I'm, you know, so was, I'm a child. Did you so, know that I'm so a child? So from that moment, from that moment, it took me seven years <laughs> to get her to say yes. Wow. So from first date to proposal, how long was it for you all? So from first date to proposal was four years and then to marriage was five. So we spent a year engaged. Um, And she actually had to tell me, stop talking about marriage, like a couple months in. (laughs) I was like, okay, when is like, I know it's going to happen. Let's do it already. (laughs) So I wanted to get married super fast. And even during our four years of dating, it was so difficult for me because I knew we're going to get married. What are we waiting for? Um, But one of the- Did your family think y'all were crazy? Did they think like you're too young? You're. Uh, we so, didn't really tell anybody that. Yeah. I didn't tell anybody but her. Yeah. Part yeah. of like. But, but so you're in this relationship, and it's you're you're three years in or four years in, and that that um that milestone of of getting married is is still in front of you. What did it mean to you? Oh, so our engagement was four years, not. Not because we were like waiting or because we were just dating, but very practically speaking. Well, for me, I knew even when I was a teenager that before I want to get married, I want to get my bachelor's degree and I want to, God told me, I want you to be a counselor. This is what what I want you to do. And so for me, it was very, I made a promise to myself. I made a promise to my dad, to God, to kind of get, do that first. Um, so I had a lot of friends who like in high school got pregnant early or got married early and I saw how things unfolded and they didn't work out necessarily. So I kind of was like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, if this, if you're the one, you're going to wait for me (laughs) and it's going to be worth it. And you're just going to have to, you're going to have to hold on. (laughs) Persistence pays off, man. Yeah. Yeah, So the second two, so the first half of the four years, we were together. And then the second half, she was about an hour away at university. So we had a long distance relationship for two years, Yeah, which during that time revealed to me a lot of insecurities that I had. Um, Thoughts of like, what if another guy sweeps her away in university? What if she falls in love with somebody on the dance team that she was part of? What if she just, we grow apart and it wasn't real and it was just kind of a, 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 a spark, but it wasn't a flame. And so extended, extended or uh, long distance relationship thing is such a, uh, it's such a setup for, for failure. Mm. What did you guys lean into in that two year period to, to keep the relationship growing and moving forward? 
I think one thing is that we were always honest with each other and we stayed in communication. Like every day we would be talking to each other. We would share the different things that we were feeling that we were going through. We would talk through it. Um, We wouldn't really let, if we're angry about, we wouldn't let things go by. We would figure it out together, Mm -hmm. even if we were far apart. And we kind of would say, oh, I'm going to see you this time. So we kind of look forward to the times that we were going to see each other. And so we kind of kept that as like our, you know, motivation and just having an excitement in our dating life too. Yeah. And I think another thing was being, being open and vulnerable about those insecurities, about sharing, like, this is something I'm afraid of. Can we talk about it? Mm -hmm. Um, This is something that is going on inside of me. Like the very first day when I dropped her off, I cried the entire way. Mm. And she was like, having fun, I'm in my dorm. Like, (laughs) we're gonna have a movie night with all my friends. And it was like super fun. So there were such um, polar reactions. And so I had to learn in that time, I love her. We've been dating for two years. I know I'm gonna marry her. I'm going to be as supportive, as loving, as and as encouraging to her. I'm going to push her to, to drive um, towards her success as much as possible. And whatever her path, wherever her path takes her, I know we, we're doing it together. Even though we're not physically together, yeah. we're doing it together. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be her number one cheerleader. I'm going to be her number one um, supporter so that she knows anytime we have a conversation, it's going to be positive. And it's not mm-hmm. going to be like, I wish you weren't there. Or why'd you have to do that? Or I so- think... Where did you, like, what shaped that perspective for you? Like, let's go back a little bit. So as growing up, what was family life like for for each of you? Uh, What was your parents' relationships like? I feel like my parents, um, well, at least with Nigerian culture, my parents are from Nigeria. So I'm first generation um, African-American. And so they're just like super hardcore you can't date, you can't like, you can't do this. So I didn't really date anybody growing up. And so I think that's kind of what set me up for being able to last in our relationship is that Mm. I didn't like, wasn't really comparing him to anyone. There wasn't anyone to compare him to because he was my first and my only. Um, And also I was afraid of my parents because (laughs) I didn't want to, you know, that fear and respect of your parents. um, And just kind of, they taught me growing up well on how to treat yourself, how to treat others, how to conduct yourself and things like that. And so I think for me, at least, that's what kind of set me up for being able to last long term. And also I would see them when they were going through their challenges and their struggles and their separations and coming back together, how they would deal with it. Um, And just seeing that they're able to last even though going through these different hardships. So I can last, you know. If this is the one that God's promised for me that I can last and do that. Yeah. And for my parents, so my parents divorced when I was eight years old. um, And it was incredibly like my childhood was incredibly abusive. And so I witnessed what a marriage failing looked like. I knew what not to do. And I was very adamant about breaking generational curses and generational things that have been passed along from my grandparents to my parents to me. And so I knew I was going to be committed to one person and one person alone. Um, And I knew it was her. From the very get-go, I knew I was going to marry her. So I had to be very strategic about how I was going to react during those two years and how I was going to support her, how I was going to encourage her, how I was going to be honest with her. 
And it really forced us to develop a trust between each other. And my ability to trust that she's going to make good decisions and right decisions and her ability to trust me that I was going to make good decisions and right decisions and that we weren't going to do something as we were kind of on our own for those two years that would be detrimental to our relationship. And so it really helped establish the trust that we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw what I didn't want to happen in my own life. So I did everything I could to work against that and be who I needed to be for her. So, yeah, I feel like family is such a huge, um, such a huge influence on your marriage, positive or negative. Yeah. Yeah. Both ways. It can go both ways. So it sounds kind of like Sean, you had the list of no, no's and you just did the opposite. And then Addie, you had some great, um, role models. And then you were like, okay, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this. And now I just, I'm wondering, you guys are a multiracial couple. And so how did your families react when you were, you know, it's your wedding day and I'm marrying someone of a different race, grandma, auntie, (laughs) all everybody. Um, what were their reactions, even your extended family? Yeah. So we dated for so long. Um, so I think that really integrated like our relationship within our family, Mm -hmm. but there are certain things that you, you just catch when you're growing up. So I'm, I'm Mexican, she's Nigerian American. Mm -hmm. And so there are certain Mexican cultures that are expected of both the male role and the female role, the husband and wife. There are certain Nigerian expectations that go along with the husband role and the wife role. And so we, when we first started dating, it was a little bit um, uncomfortable with certain people in my family. And I actually had to have conversations with some people and say, this is the person I love. Race um, isn't an issue for us. We don't really see, that's not really an integrated part of like our relationship. I honor her uh, culture and her previous, like her ancestry and, and everything that she's come from. Um, and we've mm-hmm. actually incorporated that in our wedding. So I wore a dashiki um, mm-hmm. and during like the reception, we had like certain Nigerian cultural traditions in our wedding. Then we had some Mexican things as well. And it was just really fun during the wedding because everyone was super supportive there. But it was like, I had to have certain conversations about like, this is who I love. This is who I'm going to marry. And I want to do everything I can to make it as easy for you to accept this, mm. this part of our relationship. Um, we grew up in California though, so it's very multicultural. So it wasn't mm-hmm. as big of a deal, yeah. but what we've recognized moving to Colorado Springs is everyone's white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, got, I, I was going to say, it's got to do with the region that you live in. Because yeah. one of my one of my very best friends growing up in college, she was in a multiracial racial relationship, and she lived in Washington D.C. And like, it's Washington D.C. is like one of the most diverse places that you could possibly find. So I don't think anybody even blinked at it. But then they moved to a more rural area, and it was kind of like, yeah. Oh, this is an issue, I guess. So. What's so funny is the very first week we were here, we were looking for some good Mexican food. So we went to this Mexican place and from the cooks to the waiters, to the people eating, every single person was white. And I was the only Mexican in the restaurant. And I <laughs> at, didn't a Mexi- know, at a Mexican, at a Mexican restaurant. restaurant. <laughs> what? It was oh, so interesting. Man. And so I, I think going into a place where 
race isn't as big of an issue because the people here are amazing. Like they're so kind and they're so loving and it's such a hospitable place. Mm -hmm. But recognizing like we, there is a certain difference when you walk into a room and you're the only Mexican and the only African-American and you're married. And so we do get a lot of people like looking at us um, and like, oh, that's interesting. We don't see that very often. And so we have certain conversations about our race and how it's going to affect our kids and how we want to teach them diversity and inclusiveness. And what's really interesting is I never thought that I I knew when we got married, like race wasn't that big of an issue for me growing up. I remember there was one time when I was hanging out with her, her brothers, a couple of friends and everyone was black, but I, I, it didn't, I didn't dawn on me until somebody said, Oh, do you feel weird hanging out with all black people? And I literally had to look around and be like, oh yeah, I guess I am hanging around with all black people. Like it doesn't, it didn't, it didn't matter. And I didn't recognize it. One thing that I also didn't recognize though, is that I'm going to have kids that are now mixed African and and Mexican. And there are certain conversations I'm going to have to have with our kids that I didn't think I would have to have beforehand. So it's, it's developed an awareness of African-American experiences in our country. And how we're going to deal with that as a couple and be able to navigate through some of those race relations. So y'all are planning on having kids. I know it's so weird to like ask that question. This is one of Justin's pet peeves. Like when people say, because we went through infertility and all this crazy stuff, we're just like hypersensitive to people asking like, so are you going to have kids? When are you going to have them? It's so weird. Why am I asking you this question? But you did offer it up there. So you guys are planning on kids? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think because I'm a preschool teacher now, I'm with three-year-olds like every day and they're so cute. They're, they're the cutest little people in the world. They're so much fun. Yeah. I want a little person, but, um, as far as the race thing, I'll touch on that because I had a slightly different experience. Um, uh, since my parents were coming from Africa, they kind of planted themselves in a diverse neighborhood already. And so for me growing up, I grew up around a lot of white people, a lot of Asian, a lot of different, like a lot of different races. And so, there weren't a lot of African or uh, black people around me. And so I kind of grew up in that culture where, Oh, like this is normal that there's different races around me. So when we would go out together and he'd be like, Oh, I saw someone look I'm like, Oh, I didn't even like, I don't even notice those things because I would grew up already in that kind of culture. And so moving here too, I think it was like a bigger, bigger shock because there, there's sure. more, uh, there's more white people. There's more, Um, More people staring at you. I think for me too, um, the thing that I was like, oh my gosh, there's like two hair salons here. (laughs) I was like, where am I going to get my hair done? There's like On the other side of town, apparently, is where I need to go. Have you heard of this thing? Like we've talked about this before, right? Uh, uh, Decision fatigue. Oh my gosh, I have it every day. There's just too many decisions to make and I'm tired of it. Like there's just so much going on in life. And like by the time I get home from work, this is where I make terrible decisions. Yeah. Like you're gone on a Saturday and then it comes time, the girls are hungry for dinner. Yeah. And you order pizza and wings. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much every Saturday. (laughs) I'm I'm aware. Yeah. So um, there's, there's this whole idea of decision fatigue is very real. 
Like we make so many decisions every day and it's, you know, phones and media and advertising messages and we're constantly making these decisions and it just gets exhausting. And, they, and so we get to this place of decision fatigue and indecision it kills us. Mm-hmm. It kills relationships. It kills date nights. It kills to-do lists. It kills productivity and creativity. And it kills fun and adventure. What if we just had a fun and easy way to make decisions? Oh, my gosh. Speaking of which, <laughs> I found this great app called Indecision Coach. Woohoo! And they are uh, sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Love it. This is a fun little app, kind of like that. Remember that... Uh, uh, billiard ball shaped toy that we had when we were in. Oh yes, kids. it would answer all my. Like you questions. would shake it and ask a, ask a question, and an does answer would he, come up. Does he like me? Yes. It was like have. a magic sphere. <laughs> like you <laughs> yeah. you can't say what it was because you do to trademark things. But um, so uh, Humble Forces created this great app called Indecision Coach, and it's it's two bucks on the App Store, and it's so oh, much fun. fun. It is worth. $2. It's worth twice that. But um, so it's just a great little fun way to add some, some, some spice into making decisions. Like when you just come out, should we, should we go out to dinner or stay in? All right. And as I see it, yes, we should go out to dinner. Ooh, let's All go. Right. So we're going. All right. So it's super easy. You can go to indecisioncoach.com slash legendary and find out more and download it from the app store. Sounds great. Let's do it. Yeah, I feel like this will be a little bit of fun and adventure, especially to have with the kids, too. Yeah. You know, we used to do this doing, during our childhood and shake the ball and, you know, they can shake the ball, too. Yeah. Shake the phone. <laughs> Just don't drop the phone. Yeah. All right. So you can check it out at indecisioncoach.com slash legendary. That's and- indecisioncoach.com slash legendary. And now back to the show. Let's dig into the big three, you know, the big three of finances and kids and sex, really. Talk about finance. Like, how do you guys get on the same page with your money? Especially, I'm really curious because y'all are newlyweds. I would say, I mean, even though you've known each other for a long time, you've been married two years. And I feel like those first few years I'm not sure are... two years is still newlywed. But, uh, but you <laughs> Don't know... you guys think so? Uh, compared to other people, sure. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like <laughs> doesn't, we're newlywed. No, I think he just I called us old. Known each other for so long. Yeah. Um, yes. But, yeah. but uh, I feel like that's a landmine early, especially early in your marriage. Sure. Like money you know, can just... Ugh. Yeah. So what's so interesting is a lot of people, um, a lot of pastors, a lot of um, uh, our role models, a lot of people said the first two years of your marriage are the most difficult. And we've had actually a very opposite experience. Mm. I, I think these two years have been the most blessed, fun, joyful, uh, intimate yeah. two years of my entire life. And 
So we've had a really good, because we were, we dated for so long, which a lot of people think you need to get married super fast. (laughs) Um, because we've waited to have kids and we're still waiting. We want to make sure that she has her career, um, set before we have kids because we've taken our time. We've really been able to establish Mm -hmm. some commitments and some principles that play out in our relationship. And so as far as finances going into marriage, I knew we wanted to be debt free in our first year and we wanted to save a ton of money. And so the way that we did it was we actually live off of one person's income. Uh, All of our expenses are one person's income and the other person, which is mine, I run an incredibly successful business, goes all into savings. Literally every dollar that I generate goes from savings. And so we keep our expenses really, really low and we're forced to make decisions that where we have to discuss, okay, can this fit in our budget? Um, But what that allows us to do is it creates security for her. So she knows, hey, we're going to be taken care of. There's not going to be a moment where we're going to have to worry about where the next rent money is going to come from or how we're going to keep the lights on or how we're going to feed ourselves. And then on top of that, it's created in me a sense of accomplishment because I keep seeing that number go up and it's really Mm -hmm. exciting. And so one of the things that I think in regards to like American culture is we're given this freedom that we really, really lean into and this independence that's kind of ingrained in our culture of I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to get what I want and I'm going to spend what I want. And we've been very determined to be very disciplined in regards to how we spend our money. So we've actually not had any, I think the only arguments we've ever had financially is when we're in line and it's like $7 and I only want to spend $5. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so. I think too something else that's helped is that during those four years we got to know our kind of spending habits. Mm. Like we've learned that I like to—I'm not a shopaholic, but I like to spend money. I think it's fun. He likes to save money, so we know that about each other. So when it comes time to doing things, it's like okay, well, we need to save here, or oh yeah, we can totally spend here. And so we give each other that kind of back Freedom, and forth yeah. and leeway and. We keep each other in check because we know how the other is about their finances. And we also, we don't keep anything hidden. Like there's no offshore account. There's no, (laughs) oh, you have your own money and I don't need to know. No, like every dollar, every penny, we know exactly where it's going. We know exactly what it's spent on. And that like keeps openness and it keeps honesty there too with our finances. And I think- What what are you saving for? What's the dream, guys? (laughs) What are we saving for? What we believe is like having money and savings doesn't give you freedom because we personally believe freedom comes from Christ, but it does give you greater opportunity. So she wants to create her own private practice. So we're going to need capital to get the building, to get all that stuff. So we're saving for things like that. Another thing we're saving for is to obviously make sure that we have, if, if we needed to quit, if I lost like my arms and I couldn't function, or if she had to go into the hospital and she couldn't function, we're okay. Like there's, there's no anxiety around tragedy. Um, and then something else that makes it really fun for us because I'm a super saver and I could get like, okay, where are you spending the money is we make it very, um, budget friendly. So, okay, you have $200 this month, spend it on whatever you want. And I don't even need to know like whatever. And I'll still tell him. And we'll still obviously have the communication, (laughs) but it's, it's budgeted so she can spend and it's budgeted. So we do save. And so we have that communication and that, um, like we're very, we're very planned, in regards to our finances. Um, I think too, not just in our own personal lives, but I know like with our vision and things that he wants to do in his business in the future, 
we want to be able to bless other people. Mm. We don't want to just have for ourselves and live good for our, like we want our, everyone that touches us that's around us to be blessed because that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, we're not just supposed to make, I know in America, it's like you build up your own thing and you do good, but when you're gone, all that goes somewhere else. And so we're really saving, thinking about the future, thinking about the people around us, our family members that might be in debt or our church. How can we help them? How can we help the people around us to also be blessed and be um, financially secure? And we also, we did a financial series with your family. Yeah. So we were, (laughs) it's not so much like, I know so many people who are like super wealthy and it's only them and they don't include their family. And so we've been very intentional about, Hey, mom and dad, or whomever, like, Mm -hmm. let's get rid of your 20 credit cards and I'm going to help you do that. Let's get rid of the massive amount of debt that you have Mm -hmm. and like, we'll help you do that. Um, Wow. And were they able to take uh, instruction from their kids? Yeah, I think so because it wasn't necessarily us teaching. We went through a program that we just let them watch and then we were kind of guiding them through it. Mm -hmm. Um, But what else it allowed us to do, like having that financial stability allowed us to help Exactly. Yeah, it was that exactly. <laughs> Financial Peace University yeah. by Dave Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, shout out. Always a shout out. Always for Dave. a shout out for Dave. Yeah, so, Absolutely. So essentially what we did um, as well, because we, we definitely believe in purposeful profit. We want to be able to make so much money so we can make a massive amount of impact in the world. Yes. We want to dig wells, build schools, rescue little boys and girls from sex slavery and human trafficking. We want to be able to create a legacy that doesn't extend to us or even our kids or even our grandkids, but the people we'll never meet in our family, our great, great, great grandkids. I want them to be able to look at us and say, thank God they set us up. So now we can do even greater things. So we're very future oriented, very vision oriented. And what it's allowed us to even is, is one of my family members was in an incredibly tragic position, living in their car with kids. And we were able to say, hey, come live with us. You're going to pay rent, but we're going to save it for you. And in three months, you're going to get your own apartment. And now they're like in university and they're doing like amazing things. So because we didn't have to worry and we don't have to worry about finances, we're really able to help other people around us. Um, And so, yeah, so financially... We're really good about like communicating and planning and having that tough conversation, that difficult conversation in love, not shaming the other person saying, why'd you spend this? Or why'd you do that? And it's all your fault and you need to do, do, do your part. Um, but it's more having that conversation in love and in hope and with a vision. on this in, in such a powerful way, but it's like, like we're, we're both entrepreneurs. Like Sean runs a, a business that essentially helps people build a business so that they can have an impact in the kingdom. And we're a part of that. And, you know, it's, it's just the idea of creating abundance. There's only really one purpose and it's gotta be generosity Yeah. and anything other than that. And it just, it just falls flat over and over again. Mm -hmm. So, so I I love what you're saying about, you know, uh, we talk with couples often around the idea of having a hustle you know, something that it might be getting the kids ready for the new back to school season or uh, putting one person through through school or something like that. But it can also be like something that's geared toward that legacy piece, you know, uh, building building a business offering or like for them, like, like have their family live with yeah. them for three months. Yeah. You know, that's the hustle in that season. And I just love what's really standing out to me about you guys is that no matter what the subject is, I feel like 
you guys are so transparent with one another and that even if there's going to be a tough conversation, it's worth having because you guys are seeing the fruit of having those conversations that some people kind of avoid, whether it's kids or whether it's money or whether it's sex. Um, There's, there's some conversations that people keep off the table and you guys, it seems like you continually, you're like, what else could we bring to the table? What else could we talk about um, in order to bring you guys closer together? Having conversations that matter. And what's so important is like when, cause I get frustrated with her at times. She gets frustrated with me at times. It's just sure. natural when you live with each other and I leave the towel on the floor or the dishes <laughs> aren't done, right? Like there's natural tension that happens when you live with each other. And so one of the things that we've committed to each other is never to take that outside. Um, like we mentioned, we don't, yeah. we don't go to other people for that, but we have very real conversations um, and we give each other space to be frustrated and say, we're going to talk about this in an hour. Cause if I talk about it now, I'm going to hurt your feelings and I don't want to do that yeah. um, because I'm just, well, I'll, I'll say, I'll say nothing good is going to come from pushing on this topic right now. Give me a little yeah. bit of time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's, I think our personalities are so similar in the fact that we, we, we give each other permission to have space. We don't need to figure it out right now. And if we don't figure it out, then we're going to be mad at each other, but we give each other space. It's okay to be quiet and to think through things and to work it out um, as we go through the day. So, yeah. Hey, so kind of turning the corner a little bit, who has influenced you most as, as a couple, like what, another couple that's influenced your relationship? Yeah. Yeah. I would say our youth pastors really influenced us. Um, not just because they were our youth pastors, but they really mentored us even before we did internship. Like they would invite us to their house. They would take us out for coffee. They really pour into us. Even now they're still pouring into us. So they were just always, um, that those mentors that really cared about how we were doing spiritually and, just emotionally in our lives, especially because they saw us growing up together and they saw us, you know, as we're in a relationship, they wanted to help us. They saw where we were going. Um, so I would say our youth pastors really yeah. Im- had a huge and they, impact. They had such a healthy, fun, adventurous oh. relationship as well. And they were so silly and they knew how to give each other space as well. So we've learned so much just from watching them be married and be husband and wife and be mother and father to oh, their kids. We actually, cause we've been at that church since we were little, we saw them as they did internship and they, we were at their wedding. So it's kind of like they were, well, you were of, I, don't think well, I, I came, I went to their wedding. And so we've kind of seen them grow up too. And so it's like a, you know, they're, they're here, yeah. you know, that we're going up together. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we could talk to you all forever. Yes. I love this conversation. But uh we're gonna we're gonna start to kind of wrap it up, but with something new. We're gonna, yeah, you guys are our guinea pigs. Woo! All right. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do something called we're gonna call the lightning round. Yeah. Lightning round. Do it. <laughs> all right. So I'll ask, a, I'll ask a stupid simple question. I got 10 of them. Okay. And just blurt out the first answer that comes to mind. Both blurt. Just blurt. Both of us? Okay. Yeah. Both of us. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. About yourself. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. Ready? Yes. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Toi- toilet paper. Over or under? Over. Oh. Toothpaste. <laughs> Squeeze or roll? Squeeze. Yeah. Sexy time. Lights on or off? Both. 
<laughs> Favorite meal? Sushi Getty. Oh. Ooh. Favorite movie? Yeah, uh, The Lion King. That's hard. <laughs> Titanic. Oh, yes. Oh, that's so good. I'm the king of the world. Pet peeve. A mess. Yeah. A mess. Oh, it's been good. Uh, uh, <laughs> pass. <laughs> All right. Sean doesn't have any pet peeves. He loves everything. Most embarrassing. Complaining. Oh. That's a pet peeve. Complaining. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. Like, let's find a solution. <laughs> Most embarrassing moment. Ever or together? Whatever. Uh, yes. There was a moment where I was diving and someone pantsed me as I was going down. Oh, no. And it wasn't just my shorts. <laughs> oh. I guess um, the one I always think about is when I was at children's camp and we were going down a hill from a hike. And it was slippery, and this bigger kid rolled over me. <laughs> oh. and my knee was so badly like scraped. Oh, Addy. Yeah, I was. <laughs> that was probably his most embarrassing moment too. <laughs> all right, all right. This is going to be a tricky one. Oh. Without actually naming uh, a specific person. Oh no. Who is your nemesis? Oh. Ooh. Nemesis. Ooh. <laughs> uh, what? Or what? Oh, oh let's do oh, what? Okay. Let's do what? Mm. Yeah. Um, I think uh, settling or being comfortable. Yes. Yes. For me, I it, it, you, it annoys me. Yeah. Um, not working hard. Like if there's things to do and you're sitting. Oh, yeah. Things to do and you're just sitting around. Like. Yeah. No. <laughs> Get it done. Oh yeah, I like to change it up, so not yeah. the same thing. All right. What is your secret ambition? To rule the world. <laughs> the same thing we're gonna do every day, Pinky. <laughs> I love it. I would love to be able to have a helicopter. Yeah. Oh. I own a helicopter. Helicopters freak me out. I don't understand <laughs> you it. You don't want a helicopter? I don't understand it. It, it like it doesn't make any sense to me. Hmm. Very cool. Um, not skydiving, but what's the thing where you have like the wings and you're like I fly. Base jumping. Oh, oh base jumping, yeah. I, I know that's kind of like hang gliding. Hang no, not no, hang yeah. gliding, but you have like the squirrel wings and yeah, the squirrel suit thing. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's base jumping. That Halo okay. jumping or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Whoa, Addy, laying it down. That's awesome. You <laughs> could right. do that in Colorado, I'm pretty sure. All right, last one. Same answer at the same time. I'll ask the question and then count to three. <laughs> you got to blurt out your answer. Okay. What is your couple song? One, two, three. Sugar, Sugar pie, pie, honey, honey bun. No! Perfect. Oh, oh guys. <laughs> thank you so much for taking time to just have, have a chat with us. I, I love the times when we get to hang with a couple and just get to know each other. One last question. What do you think it takes to build a legendary marriage? And it doesn't have to be super fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who. <laughs> um, I think being honest yeah. Being honest and just getting to know that person's quirks because they're going to be there. 
being honest and, you know, seeing where you can grow together. You should always be pushing each other to grow somewhere. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be comfortable at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, you know, definitely having a vision that you guys are both moving forward together with and building together. So many people get settled. They have a routine and that's the next 30 years of their life and their marriage. And so for us, we definitely want, we're driving towards something, we're building something and we definitely want to build a legacy and we want to be legends. So legendary couple right here. Yes. All right, you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. You guys are awesome. Keep up the good work. What were we doing when we'd been married two years? I feel like Sean and Addie are like ruling the world. Oh, we were diving into (laughs) remodeling a house. And a lot of debt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The expression that comes to mind is we were trying to jump the shark. (laughs) (laughs) You know that expression? We were like trying to get to the end without putting in the middle. Um, we were like, is that what jump the shark really means? Are you sure about that? Yeah. I feel like you just pulled that out of your, I did, but it is what it means. Um, I feel like we were trying to live like our parents lived in the moment when they'd been saving for years and years. Yeah. There were certain, (laughs) there was certainly some stupid tax that we've paid from, from those, that season of life. I know. I remember thinking like, oh, we have to pay credit card bills. We have to pay credit card bills once we rack them up. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like Sean and Addy, way ahead of the game. You guys are killing it. Okay. So here is... In so many ways. In so many ways. So now is the talk about it segment of the show. And now the talk about it segment of the show. Each week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. So here's the question that came to mind for me. How has your faith changed since you were a teen? Whew. I feel like we've had way ups and downs. If I could chart, a, if I had like a chart graph kind of a yeah. situation here, it would have many like peaks and valleys. Yeah, I think uh, for me, peaks and valleys, but uh, I, I think it's been... It's been like climbing a mountain for me. Mm. Still like the, going up. The, like the, you keep getting these kind of false summits mm. where you think, oh, there's the top. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, wow. I'm nowhere near the top. And that's a good thing. Really? Because okay. if you ever if you ever think you're, you're like, okay, I got this faith thing figured out. I've got this God thing figured out. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> keep climbing. Keep hiking. It's it's yeah. all about the it's all about the journey. But I think it would be an interesting conversation to have about what were those different points when you thought you'd reached a peak or you've reached a valley. Yeah. So have that conversation well, we will. this week with your spouse. All right. As always, we're talking about this and all the hot topics from this episode of the podcast and so much more over in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 093. Finally, we want to help more couples have conversations that matter. So if you love the show, let us know. Jump over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the show, and jump into the group on Facebook. Post your review comment on the reviews thread so that you can win some prizes. Prizes, people. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. 
This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Woo!